Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. In these two chapters, now we're, we're not going to be able to get through both of them tonight, but in the next few weeks, in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, the Apostle Paul turns his attention to a subject, which is the subject of giving. And uh, for several years, Paul had devoted himself to a collection for the poor saints that were in Jerusalem. And I, I want to just give a couple of references to that so we understand this along his journeys. In Romans chapter 15, verse 25 through 26. Did I give those scriptures to you? Yes? No? Maybe so. All right. Romans chapter 15, verse 25 says, uh, but now, <clears throat> I didn't give that to you, I'm sorry. But now I'm going to Jerusalem, this is the end of Romans, now I'm going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints, verse 26, for it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. In uh, Galatians 2, you don't have to turn there, I'll just read it to you, Galatians 2.10, uh, when, when the matter was being settled with Paul and Barnabas and Peter, James, and John, and they finally decided that Peter, James, and John would go to the Jews and Paul and Barnabas would go to the Gentiles. And that's where we see the separation of the ministry and the way that they would preach the gospel. And verse 10, it says that they, being Peter, James, and John, desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. This is specifically the poor saints in Jerusalem. Okay? So along the way, Paul kept them in his heart. And so... Uh, we're going to see here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 that he's going to encourage them in this giving for uh, their brothers and sisters who are suffering there. And so since they, uh, upon hearing about this collection, the Corinthian church uh, were eager to help. They wanted to do something about it. To, and so Paul requested that Titus look into this matter and encourage the Corinthians to do what was originally their hearts. So they, they, they said they wanted to do it, but yet they hadn't followed through on this giving. So since they showed this desire, Paul now gives them instructions. Now I want, okay, yeah, breathe this one up, 1 Corinthians 16. We're going to 2 Corinthians 8, but I just wanted to give you a little backstory. Uh, now concerning the collection for the saints, this is the 1 Corinthians, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. Verse 2, on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. In other words, when I come, it'll already be collected. All right, so every week, just be storing something up so that we can take this and bless the poor in Jerusalem. So, uh, and together, these two chapters provide us with some of the most detailed information in Scripture on the subject of giving and receiving and on the proper motives <laughs> of receiving and giving offerings. Are you ready? 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. It says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Now let me tell you what the churches of Macedonia are. This is where Paul first started his missionary journey over to the west. Remember when he had a vision in the night when they were in Troas, and a vision in the night appeared to him, a man from Macedonia saying, come over and help us. And that's when they knew because the Spirit was not permitting him to continue to preach the gospel in Asia as he had done prior. So they made a straight course and landed there in Macedonia. And the first place they went to was the innermost city of Philippi. And that's where they found some women praying down by the river. 
And that's where they met Lydia. And they led Lydia to the Lord and her household, and she became a financier for his ministry. The church in Philippi was one. The, the Thessalonian church is another church there in Macedonia and the Berean church. All right? So th these are the churches he's talking about. But he's really... Uh, but, but the highlighted church of those three is the Philippian church. That in a, verse 2, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. liberality. Now, that's a mouthful, isn't it? I'm going to say it again. That in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. These Macedonian churches are a testimony that it is possible not to merely experience joy, but to have it overflowing in the midst of trials. Not to just have a taste of it when you're in trouble, but to bubble up with joy during your hard times, during persecution, during trials. It says, in the midst of those trials, even more, just as persecution didn't take away from their joyfulness, neither, this is amazing, Neither did poverty diminish their ability to be generous. Poor people have taken up an offering for other poor people. Their deep poverty. And they were willing to give as generously as they knew how. Now, see, it's easy to see how affluence can well up in generous giving. Someone who has the means... My family, how is it possible for extreme poverty to overflow in a wealth of liberality? This tells me something about the Philippian church and these other churches. That their generosity was not stemmed from what they had available to give, but what was in their hearts. It wasn't about the supply. It was about what was in the heart. See, generosity is a heart issue. It is a heart issue. A generous person is different from someone who just gives now and then. A generous person is someone who is looking for the opportunities to give. This is what energizes them. It energizes them to give to someone. You know, one of the, the people that I think of, and I've told you about him before, that really inspired me in not just giving, but generous giving was a man by the name of Wayne Myers. There's an auditorium at Christ for the Nation. As a matter of fact, it's a real honor. I get to actually teach my class homiletics in the Wayne Myers auditorium. He's still alive, about 180 years old now, but he's still going. He's a missionary to Mexico for many, many years, and he partnered with Christ for the Nations, and, and they helped put roofs on churches all throughout Mexico. It was kind of their specialty giving that they would do, but he would come to school and, and, and would challenge the students to give. We challenge the students to give, and, and, uh, and not without practicing that himself. He and his wife had made uh, a, a deal years ago between them and God. They made a commitment that they would give a monetary gift every day of their lives for the rest of their lives. Forty years later, they're still doing it. Every day, they have not missed one day to give money to somebody. You know, and a guy told him, he said, Brother... <laughs> Uh, Myers, he said, you'll go broke doing that. He said, well, I was broke before I started doing it, but I haven't been broke since. <laughs> How is it possible 
for someone who's in extreme poverty to overflow in a wealth of liberality. Well, let's look at these next few verses because they'll tell us. Verse 3, for I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. According to their ability and beyond their ability, which means they went from what they could comfortably give to moving into that sacrificially giving. And so Paul was so blessed by the Philippian generosity in particular that he wrote them these words, and Jeremiah quoted it when he was receiving the, receiving the offering. He said, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And see, what Paul was doing is he was making them this promise. He was reminding them that God was faithful and God was watching over their giving. God was partnering with them, and he is not a God that he should lie. And he will not be mocked. He said, whatever you sow, that you will reap. If you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. If you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. And really, that has to do with not so much the amount, but what the amount of the purpose in the heart. Hmm? What's in the heart, the motivation from the heart. That's good. This is what God's looking at. So he says that God shall supply your needs because he goes on. Now, you can just reference, well, I'll get to that in just a moment. Let's keep going. Verse 4. Imploring us with much urgency that we should receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Can you imagine how humbling this must have been for Paul to know their situations, to know their financial situation, to know their trouble and their trials and those kinds of things, but to see the people urging him. He, wasn't, he said they were freely willing to do this. I wasn't coercing the people to give. They wanted to bless them, the, the other saints. And even they in their, didn't even consider their own financial woes in doing it. But they got a hold of this spirit of giving, this grace of giving. And not only, verse 5, as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. See, this is extraordinary. Not only were they taking care of their own house, but then they went even beyond that and gave to the missionary and gave to those who were on the outside. And not only that, but you can read and just write this down if you want to study this out later, Ephesians 4, 10 through, what I have there, 16, that not only did they provide an offering for the poor saints in Jerusalem, but they sent aid twice to Paul himself for his own necessities as he went down to Thessalonica, kept planting churches. Well, they kept sending money to him to help him out. Extraordinary. I mean, just caught a hold of this grace. And verse 6, so we urge Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. So Paul has sent Titus now to go encourage the Corinthian church. Okay, let's, let's do what we said we were going to do. Let's, let's complete uh, the commitment. Notice what it says, complete this grace in you as well. What's the grace he's talking about? It's the grace of giving. The grace of giving generously. Verse 7, but as you abound, now watch this, as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. See, there are a lot of things that the Corinthian church had and that they had in abundance. One was they had the, the, the movement uh, and the flow of the gifts of the Spirit. They were abundant with it, so much so that Paul actually had to kind of calm them down with it. You remember? He had to calm them down. Look, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he brings some order to their Pentecostalism. And he loved their zeal. 
He loved it, but he had to remind them, what's the whole motivation behind this? The whole motivation behind any of these gifts and all your spiritual experiences is for the edification of the church. Yes. You have a question? Oh, that kind of shocked me. I thought you were just getting the Holy Ghost right there for a second. I forgot. Uh, can we, do we have another microphone? A key? Huh? That's, Alex can get that to, yeah, there it is. Miss, Miss Ashley. Yes, by the way, I forgot to tell you that be, feel, feel free to raise your hands on these Wednesday nights while we're in Corinthians because this is a classroom setting. Thank you for reminding me of that, Ashley. <laughs> Go for it. Okay, so this sounds more like this isn't necessarily a lesson in tithing. This is more about offering. And so, you know, just in evaluating myself, you know, it's, it's a, I'm a very practical person, so mm -hmm. I'm always thinking of, like, what's right to tithe and this and that, like, but it sounds like God's heart is more towards, you know, the offering. So how does that work with tithing and offering? And, you know, how does God view the two? And then what, what is our rule of thumb as Christians to really walk in daily as far as, you know, our tithing and offering? Mm -hmm. Well, the tithing is an offering. It's just an amount of offering. They're both offerings. Tithing is 10%. What it means, a tithe means a tenth. Somebody says, I tithe 30%. No, you don't. You can't tithe 30%. It's a tenth. <laughs> That's literally what it means. But we, we have that, yeah. Uh, so when it comes to tithing and offerings outside of that or beyond that, uh, all of that has to do with what's in the heart. See, tithing was just something that, think about this. God didn't even invent the tithe. Abraham did. Abraham came up with that. It's the first mention of it in, in Genesis chapter 14 when he was bringing back the spoils from war, remember? And he met Melchizedek out there, and he gave him a tithe of all. Well, God didn't ask him to do that, but God liked it enough that he made it part of the law. But when it became part of the law, it, it was a whole different thing. Now it was commanded of them to give it, to tithe. And, you know, when, then the tithe became like an electric bill. Right? You paid your tithes. There was no giving. Abraham gave of his tithes, but the Levites, under the Levitical order, they had to, the people had to pay their tithes. Whole different deal. And so when we come full circle now, because Christ is the high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, so we know that that priesthood is still in force and will forever be. And now that we are children of Abraham, blessed with believing Abraham, it's the same, we, we do the same thing. All this is done by faith. It's a heart response to the blessing. Remember, it, Abraham didn't tithe until he had heard a blessing pronounced over him. Blessed are you, Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, who has delivered your enemies into your hands, and blessed be God most high. Wow. So, and it says, and he, Abram, gave him a tithe of all. See, the, the, the beautiful thing about tithing in, under the new covenant or under the Abrahamic kind of blessing is that we tithe not so we don't get cursed. We don't tithe just, just, just because it's what we need to do. And we don't tithe to get a blessing. We tithe because we already have been blessed. Because it is a response to, I know you're in my life, and this is to show that I know God's blessing is in my life, not that I need it. Not that this is going to get it to me, but that I already have it. The, the Levites did it so that they wouldn't get cursed and so that certain blessings would come upon them. It's sad to me to see that a lot of churches are still motivated under that old covenant kind of thinking. And, and because pastors, you know, 
they understand that it takes money to <laughs> run things. Almost feel afraid to let the people be free to give, not to pay. I used to love preaching, you pay your tithes, you're under a curse. I mean, I preached Malachi 310, that was blue in the face. I was wrong. I was just wrong. I was just wrong. It's always about the heart. Always about the heart. I say, like, if somebody asks me, Do we tithe, should we tithe today? And I say, you know what? If you've got a question about it, you know, maybe you need to take that up with God. I don't have any questions about it. Heather and I, we started doing this years ago, and it has done nothing but shown us God's partnership in our lives. I, I, I'd be crazy not to do it. And let me tell you something. We, what I thought at times could not afford to do it. I, we have always had the money to do it. But we wanted to do it because we saw, we wanted to invite God into our world, into this world, of, and not let money, not let anything keep us hinder our relationship with God whatsoever. I wanted to trust him. We wanted to trust him with everything that we have. You know, one of the biggest holds that we have at times is our money because we work for it. We, you know, it represents your life, your blood, your sweat, your tears, right? But when you decide, you know what? I'm not going to allow this. I'm not going to say this is mine. God, you can have everything else, but this is mine. Y'all should be shouting right now because y'all, I know none of y'all are like that. All right, y'all should, amen. That we all, it's always a matter of the heart, what's in the heart to do. Tithe is just a good, I just say it's a good rule of thumb. You know, it worked for the patriarchs <laughs> and the matriarchs. It worked, I mean, it worked well for them. They continued to live in the blessing of God and to just 10% was, seemed to be a good rule of thumb. Even God got in that with them. But even Hebrews talks about, if you go to our website, you can look at our beliefs and one of the things that we talk about tithing in there. I don't use any, any scriptures in the law concerning that because none of that applies to us. We have Genesis, and then we go over. Even Corinthians here is a slight reference to it. They first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us. I think that you could say, I think it'd be safe to assume that they were tithing and giving offerings as well on top of that, free will offerings. Um, but then you go over to Hebrews, and it really ties it all together. Because it starts talking about Jesus and Melchizedek, being, him being uh, according to the order of Melchizedek, Jesus' priesthood. And it says that here, uh, Hebrews chapter 7, mortal men receives tithes, but there he receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Now, that's an extraordinary thought. Tithing today as, in, in, as a New Testament believer is a witness that you believe you are giving to a living God. That he is risen. I'm giving because... And this is standing witness for me today that Jesus is risen. My God is still alive, right? Um, when we receive communion, we proclaim his death. When we tithe, we proclaim his resurrection. Marvelous. And he received, think about it. So one last thought on that. It says here mortal men receive tithes. That's when you bring them to the church. Well, then us mortal people, we put that money to work for the, for the business of the church, for the ministry, for missions and all those kinds of things. But it says there he receives them. Jesus is watching. He's taking it personally. When you give it to the house of God, he's saying thank you. He's saying that that, he's seeing that as unto him. It's a marvelous thing. Amen. I had to study this out for myself because I've been through every argument. Tithing's not in the New Testament. Yes, it is. But if you've got a problem with it, don't do it. I mean, if you want to be a stingy jerk, who cares? Don't, don't make, don't make, 
don't make the scriptures defend your stinginess. If you don't want to give, just don't do it. Nobody's putting a gun to your head. Amen. Amen. I mean, if it's really an issue, I mean, you, you see it. People have issues. They start, well, it's not in the Bible. Well, it's not. Calm down. They're not asking for your money. Just calm down. All right. You don't have to do it. It's according to your heart. And your heart's telling on you right now. Amen. Come on. Can you please give me a hug right now from where you're sitting? Okay. Thank you. Did I help answer that question? Okay. Thank you. That's a long answer. But that kind of thing, you kind of have to go over and give some scripture and give some background for it. So, Because uh, I want you to be empowered with the Word of God and know why we do what we do. Know why we do what we do. Um, <laughs> now watch this. As you see that you abound in this grace, that is this grace of giving. As long as uh, with, with your with your zeal for the Spirit and the things of the Spirit and walking by faith and all those kinds of things. He said, make sure that giving is in that group too, that you're zealous for being generous givers. Look at verse 8. I speak not by commandment. See, this is our apostle, the apostle to the Gentiles. He doesn't command anybody to give their offerings. He said, I'm not speaking by commandment, but watch. But I'm testing the sincerity of your love. Oh, man, it would have been easier just to hear a command. <laughs> Right? I'm not, I'm not telling you you have to do this. Oh, good. But if you love God, you'll do it. Oh. I'm testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. Check out what he's doing. You hear what he's doing? He's talking about what these churches in Macedonia have done, and now he's saying, now what are you going to do? They did this. Can I provoke you a little bit? Huh? Can I provoke you a little bit? Can I irritate you a little bit? Because somebody else is doing it. Somebody else is concerned. Somebody else is giving. You know, this is good for us to provoke one another to good works. It's very good for us. Now, it's, it's not always easy. But if we're truly brothers and sisters, we're truly a family, then we'll love one another enough to tell each other the truth and to help stir and to help challenge one another in these things. We were in San Antonio, Texas years and years ago. Where's Stephen at? Did he walk out? He just left. I was hoping he'd be here in the room with me. Anyway, we were in San Antonio, Texas. He may have been down the river walk down there. Well, we're on the it was just me and oh there he is right there. Ladies and gentlemen, my best friend, Stephen Pilot. Uh, anyway, he and I and our uh, back then we had a rock band, and uh, me and him and our drummer Charlie were walking down the river walk, and we come to a, a mall called the River Center Mall. Well, out in front of that mall is like kind of a big courtyard area, and they'll have like live bands play out there and stuff. And then, but there's one stage that kind of goes out in the middle, and then you, people can sit all along the stairs that go up to the mall. And, and there was a band that was playing, so we were standing back there watching them. So. Um, they took a break, and we're going to take a break. We'll be back in a little bit. And I tell Stephen and Charles, we should go play. They were like, no. I said, no, let's just go ask them. Let's go ask them if we can borrow their instrument. Well, next thing we know, 
<laughs> I drug my buddy and drum up there, said, hey, guy, we're another, we're, I can't imagine, I don't even know why they let us do this. We're, they don't know who we are. We're a band. Can, can we jump up here and do a song? They're like, yeah, go for it. What was cool is there's like 500 people sitting out here, right? Nice big crowd. And so we rocked their faces off. It was awesome. Had a good time. You stir one another to good work, see, and you find great reward in, in doing so. Paul said something interesting to the Philippian church. He says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. I know what this is going to do for your life. I'm not trying to get an offering for you to take all of your money. I know how God works. And I know that if you can just sow a seed, then God will overlook that seed. Overseed, not overlook. Will oversee that seed. <laughs> well, that changed the whole sermon right there, didn't it? <laughs> so seed, God says, I didn't see anything. I'm going to overlook that. <laughs> well, he sees it. He sees it. And he gets right in partnership with you, especially when you're investing in what he loves. When you're giving to people then God gets in on that with you. And he says, I know that by doing this, there's fruit that's abounding to your account, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. See, he's going to show you another realm of abundance, of provision, and it's not what you know on this earth so that you don't have to depend on men, that you don't depend on your job, you don't have to depend on this or that coming together. He now is going to show you his supernatural intervention. And that he really is concerned about this very thing. And he watches over his word to perform it on your behalf. I think if we had time tonight, I could pass this microphone around and hear story after story how God watched over your seed and brought a harvest to you. How you don't have any, re no, have any explanation how the money came, what happened, you know. It just all of a sudden stuff started happening. Stuff started breaking loose. Amen. I'm telling you, he won't be mocked. You, can't, you cannot outgive him. I heard a preacher say years ago, you cannot outgive God, but you can sure have fun trying. <laughs> and you might as well have fun trying. Amen. If you're locked up financially, can I encourage you tonight? Give. The world will tell you, hold on to it and just weather the storm. Hmm? But people of faith don't act like the world. Is this on? People of faith don't act like the world. God so loved the world that he kept Jesus to himself. <laughs> no, he gave. He says, I'm testing the sincerity of your love. Okay. See, to command someone to give out of necessity would violate the principle of love totally. So Paul was not giving an order, but rather he was giving the Corinthians an opportunity. To prove their Christian love was sincere. To prove it was real. The, the positive actions of others not only teach us, but they also motivate us. And, um, you know, he's kind of conjuring up a healthy competition. Listen to this, Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. You know what the word stir here means? It means to incite to good. It also means to irritate, to irritate one another to good works. Praise God. I'm glad for, for those who have irritated me, especially my parents, my dad especially, and my wife. 
She's very irritating in that way. That's the positive irritation. Please understand what I'm saying. She's... I'm glad that I've had people in my life to push me forward, to provoke me to these things, not become complacent and comfortable. Verse 9, can you take about five more minutes? I'm giving it to you whether you said yes or no. Okay, verse 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, how rich was Jesus? You'll know someday. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes... He became poor. See, right there it said Jesus was poor. Okay, compared to heaven, yeah. When he came down to this earth, yes. Anything's poor compared to heaven, right? But Jesus didn't live in an impoverished life while he was on the earth, contrary to what religion has taught us. And we'll have to talk about that sometime maybe. The grace of our Lord, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. This is one of these exchanges we continually talk about here, don't we? He became poor, and you became... Hmm? I can already hear that religious voice. Well, Pastor Eric, that's talking about spiritual riches. Well, let me give you the word for rich here. Maybe that will clear some things up. It means to have an abundance of outward possessions. That's the Greek definition of the word rich here. To have an abundance of outward possessions. Yeah, he did make you spiritually rich. But don't forget, everything starts in the spirit. If you're spiritually rich, that only stands to reason, then he has the full effect for riches to come and be manifested into the natural. Why? Can I provoke you a little bit tonight? Can I provoke you? Why did God put gold on the earth? Why are there diamonds? Why are there precious jewels? Why is there silver? So that the ungodly could run the earth? Why is it here? Why is wealth here on this earth? Hmm? How do you feel about your kids? That was perfect. That was perfect. Right? You want them to have the best. You don't want them to be jerks about it. You don't want them to be ungrateful. But don't we all want our children to have the best? Huh? We want them to have the best. I told this to Maddie Claire and my kids years ago. I've told them that growing up, I want you to have better than I ever had. And then it started happening. Uh, uh, Heather's older brother, Philip, bought Maddie a, a car. She's 16. She's driving a uh, a 2012 Nissan Altima with leather seats in it, you know, had the whole thing. I mean, he just, out of the, he just, he woke up one night like, I got to do something for my niece. I mean, it was like the Lord was speaking to him. We, we, wouldn't, we didn't ask for that. We didn't even talk to him about it. And he, so he called us and said, I want to buy Maddie a car. We said, that's good. You have heard from God. And he bought her a car. And then, and then she got into high school. Then he bought her this, you know, the best uh, MacBook, you know that. So I'm looking at this stuff. I'm like, "Gosh, Maddie," I said, "I had never had a car that nice. Still don't." And and you have, huh? 
I said, ah, not you. I said, I certainly never had a computer this nice. And then she reminded me. She said, Dad, you always said you wanted us to have better than you had. I said, yeah. I just didn't know I'd be jealous about it. <laughs> right? Still overcoming that. Why did he put it here? Why did God put these, these, these things here? See, God has a plan. You know, the sad, one of the saddest things to me is to see the church blind to this truth and accepting an impoverished thinking, therefore living. And how effective can we really be if we're just scraping by to help ourselves? Who can we really touch? Hmm? That's why we need to embrace healing and blessing. Because what good are you if you're sick and broke? How effective can you be? I mean, how, your whole life is about you getting better. And You see what I'm talking about? See, God's got such a, much, such a better life for you and I. Oh, I hear that voice again. Well, that sounds like that health and wealth gospel. Yes, it is. Find it all over the Bible. Amen. Come on in. The water's fine. Praise God. It is. He, he paid a dear price. He paid a dear price for us. He, through his poverty, made us rich. Though he was, yet he became poor. He says, this is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. In this grace of giving, Jesus showed us how to give. Give it all. He gave everything he had. Amen. I feel like I should receive an offering tonight, but I'm not going to. No, <laughs> you guys, you guys are wonderful. Thank you again. Again, thank you. And listen, what you sowed in with Ethan and Collins, I'm telling you, you've sowed into two young men who are on fire for God. These boys aren't just going through the motions. They are living this Christian life. And I mean, they are gritting their teeth and they just like, just come on, Africa. Come on, Swazley. You just wait till I get back. You just wait till I get back because I'm bringing a message with me. I'm bringing a work and I'm bringing a message with me. And they'll do the work and they will preach the message. And you are going to have part to play in that. And there will be fruit that abounds to your account because of your generous giving. Amen. Father, thank you for this time together tonight. Lord, I'm sorry I lied to the people. I went six minutes instead of five. Uh, Father, thank you for great grace. Thank you for the grace of giving. Lord, that we, Lord, even, even, even wherever we are in giving, I know this is a generous church, but Lord, we don't want to ever stop at a certain level. Lord, we want nothing between us and you. Lord, we want to be that ready, prompt, ready to act right now, cheerful giver. The moment you say do it, there's no hesitation. Yes, sir, we'll do it. Because Lord, this partnership with you is something to be enjoyed. This is something, Lord, that an adventure to go on with you. Lord, that we would even help stir one another up continually unto good works, Lord. That whatever we abound in in this life, in faith, in the things of the Spirit, in, in joy and in peace, that we would also abound in this grace of giving. Thank you, Lord, for this church. Thank you for this people. Thank you, God, that you've gathered us here together in this house, in this community for your kingdom purpose. And Lord, we are with you in this. You are building your church. Hallelujah. You're building it. 
You're building it. And we're with you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. What would you give if you weren't afraid? What would you give? Or how would you give if you weren't afraid of anything? That's where he's calling us to. That we're only motivated by love. And not hindered by fear. I'm not talking about just money. I'm just talking about in life. Being a giver. Unafraid to give. Unafraid to share his message. Unafraid to reach out. Unafraid to pray for someone. Unafraid. If it wasn't, if there was no fear there, what could you see yourself doing in giving? And I say do it. Do it. Conquer it. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace, peace, peace in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. We love you very much. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com. 